Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Matt Deegan. Uh, on the show today, it's a British Podcast Awards special. Uh, that's right, we're here at Tom Court Road uh, to see the winners and losers of the British Podcast Awards. Um, I'm going to go to the bar and have a lovely time and watch the ceremony. I'm going to send a uh, friend of the show, Ollie Pitt, out to chat to nominees, winners and guests. Uh, I might chat to some people as well. We'll see you in a bit. So while everyone has a lovely time out there, I'm in here, in the green room, waiting for the winners to come through. And I will find out how they feel about their win and also try and um, get some more information about their feelings about the media space in general. Taking the British Podcast Awards for Podcast of the Year, it is A Positive Life, HIV from Terence Higgins, Tuesday... I'm Ali Adlington. I'm an audio producer. I was the producer on this show. I'm Stephen Rajam. I'm the creative director of Overcoat Media, an indie based in Cardiff in Wales, uh, which made this podcast. Uh, my name is Emma Goswell. I do my own podcast, but on this, A Positive Life, I was the assistant producer. And you know me, Emma, because I've worked on a podcast with we you have before. Worked. You <laughs> I didn't recognise you. Look more beady. I didn't recognise you. Yeah. We've, we've worked on a podcast <laughs> before for the BBC, and I couldn't recognise you because you're all doled up. Yeah, well, I look much better with makeup on than I do on a Zoom call at nine in the morning, don't I? Hope yeah, and we've, o- we've, o- we've only met, exactly, we've only met on Zoom. Do you know what? I was like, oh, God, I recognise your face. Well, why, I don't want to ignore all of you, sorry. Right, well, no, well tell me about the podcast then. Yeah, it, it was a eight-part series which looked at the last 40 years of the HIV epidemic in the UK. Um, it started by telling the story of the life story of Terence Higgins, starting from his childhood in Wales. Um, he was one of the first British people to die of an AIDS-related illness um, in 1982. Um, so, yeah, we, we um, were really lucky to get to tell his life story and then actually meet a very wide range of different people of all kind of different ages who live with HIV in the UK who shared um, stories from their lives. Um, And, yeah, it was a very um, special show to get to work on. The issue of HIV and AIDS is still such an important one. We have come so far in the last 40 years, but there is still HIV stigma. And I think it was really important that we made this podcast in 2023 and reflected on what's happened because, you know, there are still people facing stigma for having HIV today, even though if you are undetectable, 
cannot pass it on. You equals you. And I don't think enough people are still aware of that message. So I think this podcast was really important to make. What do you think it is about um, a, a podcast, like a podcast specifically, that's sort of conducive to being able to tell a story like that? I think what a podcast does is it's a very intimate medium. It, it really enables listeners to get to the kind of, hopefully get to the soul of the people that are contributing. And in this podcast, and what Arlie and Emma did so brilliantly as a producer and assistant producer, and Sam Smith, our fantastic presenter, is together they were able to speak to and get the experiences of people, a huge diversity of people who had been affected down the last 40 years of HIV, by HIV and um, really get this incredible array of stories because these are stories about people who are you know these are stories of lives lived this is you know a lot of we wanted to really convey the totality of experience and what it what, what these um, experiences were and um, you know I think the podcast meant that people could listen to these contributions listen to these interviews and really get into these um, get into these lives it was beautiful where do you see podcast going in the next few years that's a big question Ollie um, <laughs> well I just thought I'd put you on the spot the thing is there are a million podcasts out there and it's really difficult for a lot of independent podcasters so you know I've worked on big podcasts like this with big organizations I work with the BBC but it's real a struggle for people who are just scrabbling around and trying to like fund them themselves so I'd like to think that there'd be more money for independent podcasters whether that'll happen I don't know but it'd be great because you know there are a million and one stories out there and it's been wonderful to be able to tell those stories on this podcast I mean Overco Media are based in South Wales are really proudly based in South Wales making stories from South Wales to the whole world and I think you know we're here in London a beautiful venue and it's sometimes it's easy to think that the kind of podcast landscapes exist in big centres like London mm. Manchester Glasgow but actually there are brilliant podcast makers uh, whether they're independent companies whether they're individuals um, all over the UK and all over the world and I think one of the things that I'd like to see much more of the industry of the people who have the, the funds and the kind of resources to kind of pay for podcasts to look beyond the big metropolitan centres to look beyond you know London, Manchester, Glasgow all these places and look to you know there's such an amazing opportunity to commission content that really conveys the totality of human experience from across the whole diversity of the UK and we should be doing more of that Well congratulations guys Enjoy the rest of your evening. I'll let you get on because you've got a... Thank you. <laughs> so we are the World Beatbox Champions, the Beatbox Collective. You've got MC Zaney, myself as Basics, Ball Z and Hobbit. And we're here live at the Podcast Awards for 2023. In the mix. With live with the Media Podcast. Off from the mouth, off from the mouth, off from the mouth. the bass, that's amazing okay so i'm mohit bakayam the controller of radio 4 and obviously we commission the skewer which is uh, uh has just won this wonderful award which you must be absolutely thrilled about. I mean, you've got it under your arm with a glass of champagne. It looks very, very swish. It's going to go on the, uh, the Radio 4 trophy shelf. Well, let's speak about Radio 4 and podcasts. I mean, how important are they? And, and how's that shifted for Radio 4 in, in recent years? Well, it's a great question. And it's, I mean, they're hugely important. I mean, I have to say with the skewer, it's kind of become something that we, to an extent, we get rather blasé about. Because it's one, it's one, this is the second time I've picked this award up for John. And he's picked up every pretty, pretty much every award 
going. I think probably he's picked this up more than 20 times now for the skewer. So, and we, we're delighted by that because it's a real, the skewer in some ways has been kind of right in the forefront of our you know, efforts to really break into the podcasting world and to show the Radio 4 can really flex and move with the times and kind of follow the way people are now consuming brilliant audio. So it matters hugely. But the skewer is a very different offering to what most people might consider a, a podcast. It seems quite unusual that you would sort of pin your hopes on something so left field, I suppose. Well, I think but that is part of the joy of podcasting, isn't it? That, you know, it's got, it, it can find a real niche audience and a podcast uh, at the skewer is... <laughs> nothing if it's not niche i mean it's a brilliantly anarchic you know satirical kind of slightly dark take on the world and i think that's perfect for podcasting because it can you know as all po- good podcasts do it kind of finds an audience um out there that might not necessarily find it purely on the radio you know i'm thinking about sort of linear radio uh listeners generally just kind of you know all stations are finding it difficult for to, to hold on to listeners where do you see that on-demand audio content kind of shaping the future of Radio 4 and how are you going to get more of those sort of younger listeners in as well? Well I mean I think the truth is one of the joys of podcasting and digital listening is it's a brilliant way to recognise that there is that audience out there who want intelligent speech, want comedy drama, all the things we do but actually because they are citizens of the 21st century and they're used to being able to consume things on their own terms, in their own space, you know, doing what they want to do. Podcasting is a brilliant way for them to do that. And the great joy for me is that we've got amazing programme makers and podcasters all around the country who've been able to rise to that challenge and do what Radio 4 does, which is help us make sense of the world, help make people laugh, make people cry, give them all the things that Radio 4 has always done but in a way that allows people to consume us on their terms. And I think what it's done is given Radio 4 a place that might have, in a linear space, not been able to get those people, find them where they are. So it's perfect for us because it allows us to still be Radio 4 and preserve what we do in a linear space so brilliantly, I think, but also reach out and bring a whole new generation into speech audio, which is obviously the thing we all love. And while I've got you... Gary Lineker clause. Want to want to say a few words on that? <laughs> well, I think the BBC's come to. You might be expecting me to say this. A rather good, uh, much clearer position. You know, it will make certainly my life and most presenters' life a lot easier because there's much more clarity now about what we can and can't say. Joshua, which is the gold winner? You ready? The news agents. Hello, John. Hello, Emily. Hurry up, get over yourselves and move on. Okay, just in 20 seconds, say why it means so much. It's the happiest day of my whole life. No. Yeah, that's all I want. I just want boxes of you just saying how amazing it is. I yeah, got married a month ago, and it's frankly, that was nothing on this. <laughs> if you could have showed us this day a year ago when we were fledgling, starting out, thinking, what on earth are we doing? We've just all left sort of good, reputable jobs to do something that is completely batshit crazy, batshit crazy and brand new. new. I, I would not have believed we'd be standing here uh, holding the winning trophy of the Daily Podcast Award. I just, I can't believe it. What made you do that then? If you had a, if you had a secure job with a, you know, with a broadcaster and then you got offered this opportunity, what made you think, actually, yes, this is the right move for me? So... How many great opportunities come along where you think, we're going to start something new with a blank sheet of paper that hasn't sort of really been done in a kind of different sort of way and you just think, if you're not going to take an opportunity like that, 
what are you going to jump at? And it just seemed risky, full of jeopardy, possibility of failure high, but we sort of backed ourselves. We've got a fantastic team of people behind us and they are amazing. And you've just got to, every now and then in life, just you peer over the edge and you think, you know what, I'm going to jump. I mean, ultimately, it is a spectacular team, best I've ever worked with. And as John said as well, I mean, yeah, it was a tremendous risk and it was a, it was a, a leap in the dark. But how many chances do you get to change the way that news is being consumed? And, you know, that might sound a bit grand, but it's something that we've started this year. I'm so struck by the sort of people that sort of come up to us and say, I don't watch a lot of news, particularly younger people, but we listen to your show. And you know what? Working with these two legends every day is also a complete thrill. And I think the whole team feel that way. Me a thank you letter. <laughs> <laughs> I, every day I do. And it's just, it's just, it's thrilling. I mean, that's, and this award is a recognition of all that for the team in particular. It's thrilling. I'd also say the media landscape is changing. And we were working in something which was, you know, established. And what's that word they use? You know, legacy, sort of legacy media. And people kept on telling you, oh, you know, the audiences are falling away, oh, nobody's staying up, or nobody's watching TV, nobody's tuning into bulletins. And you either think, oh, my God, I'm going to take that very personally because nobody's tuning in anymore, or else you think, well, I still believe in actually what we're doing. I still believe in the news that we're covering. Maybe we have to go towards that audience and start telling it in a different way, finding different audiences and working out the ways that you're reaching people's ears or eyes that isn't the same old way of doing things. And so actually, it just made us all get off, you know, get off our backsides and go, I still believe there's a genuine interest and a genuine audience for the news that we're covering. We just have to find the people. And we have, you know, and it's a testament, honestly, to the listeners out there who, who tell us, who actually come and find us and tell us that they're getting their news in a, in a new way that they find enjoyable and that they keep coming back for. So... Yeah, I mean, we're just we're we're really happy this medium exists and that we can work with it. And there's no doubt you've made a splash. Um, so, wh- where do you take it from here? Where do you take the news agents? What's the the next logical step for it, or do you just keep going? Isn't it? Or the Maldives? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Comoros. A lot of news going on in the South Pacific. Yeah. Look, I think it's really healthy to have a sense of fear of failure. Yeah. We get, so we get to the end of a podcast recording. I think, yeah, that was, that was good. Shit, what are we going to do tomorrow? And I think that that's what keeps you keen. Are there better ways of telling the story? Are there better ways of, you know, giving analysis and insight into what is going on? And we're sort of, the three of us, I think, are hungry to do that. So, and also what, quite self-critical. Yeah. I mean, quite often we'll finish recording and I'm, I'm bad. She's at particularly I critical, I, I have go, to say. That was uh, shit. I don't think we got our point across. I don't, I don't think we landed that one, did we? And our lovely editor goes, yeah, I think it was a pretty good discussion. You know, I haven't heard it anywhere else. And I'm like, hmm, not sure. But also remember, I mean, this year, actually, arguably, since 2014, which has been a sort of crazy period, you could say 2023 has been one of the quieter New years in the last sort of 10 years. But there's been a huge appetite for what we've been doing, and 2024 is going to be a big, big year. Got you. Well, and, and, and competition's going to be more fierce, isn't it? You've already, you know, there's a few more podcasts being announced. So how are you going to react to those? We'll just keep we doing what we're doing. Actually, it's good. I think it's, I think it's good to have competition. I think it's stupid to think that you hold a position that can't be 
overtaken and I think it's going to make us improve what we do you know four is it four billion people are going to the polls next year around the world in elections that's quite a lot of coverage for us to get our teeth into <laughs> what is it they print on the mirror in your rear view on your you know in your car it says the object is closer than you think and just keep that in mind that there are plenty of objects who want to get closer to where we're doing and we will rise to that challenge hopefully and fear of failure but also kind of confident that we've got something to say and a different way of doing it John's been in the States too long they don't print that on our mirrors no, they do. That's, that's eight years in the US uh, well enjoy the rest of your evening and massive congratulations yeah, lovely wow. to meet you lovely take care you. I'm here with Morton CEO of Podomo is it your first British podcast awards it is indeed uh, so you're very lucky in that you get to go all around Europe uh, with all your different podcast divisions. Uh, what's the UK market like compared to everywhere else? The podcast Awards is the biggest one I've been to. So uh, it's a bigger market, definitely. Uh, further along than a lot of other markets, I would say. So uh, it's a more mature market. Lots of competition, healthy competition, but it's a uh, yeah, great opportunity. Uh, it's been a busy time for Podomo. Um, here in the UK, uh, a lot of shows, um, but kind of a, a around Europe, um, people might not know subscription app. It's kind of a different market if you're a creator uh, in Denmark versus if you're a creator here, isn't it? Yeah, very much. I think in Denmark, for example, I think 75% of the revenue is actually subscription. Uh, so there's been a tremendous turnaround in terms of uh, subscription, uh, really grabbing a large and growing the market. So we see that. The Netherlands is now more, uh, also the biggest part of the market is subscription and we continue to see the same pattern. So subscription is definitely a, a growing business in a lot of the, the non-English speaking markets, so to say. It's different for creators there, isn't it? Because sometimes we forget that the UK is a really big advertising market and that's not necessarily the same in every country, is it? No, I think if you go into smaller language markets, like you see, for example, with news media, they're also shocking in smaller language markets. And that goes for podcasting as well, uh, even though listenership is the same as in, in UK. So like, I don't know, 35, 40% of, of people listening to podcasts, uh, there's simply not enough scale still to make a viable business in advertising. And so what do you see? You get, you get a great view, I guess, your analytics in all these markets, what people are listening to. Uh, are there any uh, categories or topics that just do well in places or less well in others? Uh, what's the secret of European content? Obviously, we're very local in our approach in each market, so we tailor the approach to each uh, individual market. But if you look at like genres, like true crime is, is uh, everywhere and uh, a big genre and an and increasing genre as well. Uh, and then very much the talk formats. There's not like something that's very specific to markets that's unique. Obviously, they're executed locally with a local flavor, but it's, uh, it's actually quite interesting to see. I think if we went to, to very far away markets, then they'll probably be different. But if you look across Europe, it's actually very, very similar in terms of what people they prefer to, to listen to. And also, a lot of it's driven by big personalities. Um, you have that here in the UK. I know in a lot of your markets, people who are jumping ship from commercial broadcasters or public broadcasters uh, to podcasting. It's suddenly created much of a market in audio for talent that maybe hasn't existed before. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, we see that also in markets like Denmark, the Netherlands, Norway. Uh, public services is, is, is very dominant player there. and, and uh, for us, it's a, I mean, it's a natural step for, for some creators. They'll move from, from public service to, to the commercials, and it's a good breathing ground for us in terms of talent. So, uh, so we're excited about it. And to be honest, we don't see it as a threat as much. Mm. We see it more as an opportunity to 
to uh, really uh, build talent that we can then uh, work together with at a later stage. Uh, and also it's quite interesting when you're part of a network, I know that some of those talent who have shows then go on to do more shows with you, which is probably not something people have seen here in the UK. Yeah, we don't have the same limitations in them. Uh, you aren't allowed in the same way to lock uh, the creators in for competition reasons. Uh, so in a market like them, uh, you see uh, creators move around and, and being both on commercials, but also on the public stations. And that goes for, for a lot of the European markets, actually. Uh, so what are you looking at here in the UK? Um, what have you been surprised by? Or what are you uh, thinking about as you see everybody here at the British Podcast Awards tonight? I think that we've, I mean, we have two shows that are nominated, so that's that's uh, that's really, really great, right? Uh, but it's still very early days for us in the UK. Uh, it's very much, we're still a startup, so it's about exploring and learning and figuring out what the right approach is. Uh, we've got a lot of data, a lot of learnings, and uh, and uh, we're building our playbook, and then we'll see when uh, when the right moment is for, for, for us to enter with uh, our subscription service as well. Well, have a great night. Thank you very much. You too. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. More winners coming towards me. This is amazing. It's exciting. What are you drinking? Still water in a can. Amazing. I wanted, I wanted tap water. Oh, right. Okay. Still, still water in a, in a can. Well, look, let's, let's hear about the podcast. Tell me about the podcast. I'm Susie Grant, executive producer. Listen. Uh, I'm Indy Rackerson. Um, I'm the presenter of 28 Days Later, which is the podcast that's just won Best New Podcast. 2020 or new it's one new I don't know it's best it's just one new podcast so 28 days later is a 28 part series about the menstrual cycle but actually it's a massive exploration of like where women are at now in the world and it looks at medical research it looks at sort of myths it looks at cultural stigma and social stigma and there's a big historical lens on how we see the female body and the womb and uh, yeah I mean where do we not go we go down all sorts of rabbit holes Yeah. yeah Well, tell, and also, tell me about Listen. We make loads of big titles. Obviously, we make 28 Days Later, but we make things like Titting About with Audible, which is French and Saunders, um, podcast, and 
you know, we, we also just won silver for Where Are You Really From, um, which is Podomo. Um, so yeah, we're, we have a really like multi-disciplined team covering, you know, from entertainment all the way through to factual comedy. You name it, we do it. <laughs> and uh, how are you sort of finding the podcast landscape at the moment? Are you, have you noticed any sort of trends and shifts in it in recent years that you're kind of having to sort of adapt to? I think... You know, everyone knows it's a really difficult time to be in podcasting. There's lots of uncertainty. Um, but for, listen, you know, we're in a really great place. We, you know, we think we've got the best team going. So we're winning lots of commissions and, you know, we're always very busy. So we're really grateful for that. But I think in podcasting, it's amazing. There's so many, like, opportunities. And you think that's something like 28-ish, you know, five years ago, no one would have made this and we got to make it. And it's incredible. And it's been recognised, which is awesome. And amazing. What's what's the, your idea? Twenty eightish days later. Yeah, yeah, it was. I um, I just like I was trying to figure out how to have a baby. Obviously, I know how to have a baby. But I was trying to figure out, you know, yeah. if I was anything, yeah. anything extra I sure. could, you know, do. Um, and I started reading some books. I was like, oh my gosh, I absolutely know nothing about my own body, my reproductive system, and all the hormones. And it was just like we have to make a series about this we have to, have to tell everybody what's actually going on in the body um, and luckily I wasn't wrong and loads of people also didn't know uh, loads and loads of people also didn't know and it's changed loads of people's lives we get daily weekly emails still like a year a year or so down the line from people just saying this has changed my life I went to my doctor I forced a referral I've actually had PCOS diagnosed or I've been on a fertility journey for ages and I never understood the hormones people were talking to me about and now I do like it has it's had a massive impact we've been to the Department of Health and Social Care and talked to them about it and yeah we're really I mean we're so proud of this series and Ellie Sands the amazing series producer and Georgia McAndrew another producer on the series and the beautiful music of course which is a crucial part of it by Rebecca Rees uh, it was just an amazing team it's amazing we had like an all-female team from start to finish so even in our sound designers we had like incredible like Charlie Brandon King and Olga Reed as well who you know she's being nominated for BAFTAs and all sorts of amazing things so just, we're just so proud of it and so pleased it's been recognised Do you think that um, this kind of subject matter you know you know, it's like sex and relationships and that kind of stuff just, just there seems to be I don't know just a, a, a great match with podcasting that perhaps it couldn't quite work as well with any other kind of medium do you think it's what do you think it is about podcasting that allows that I guess I think it's intimacy I think a good podcast at its best feels really authentic and the person with you talking to you, it all feels like you're with somebody it's personable and you can listen wherever you are at any point, at any time um, and you can share them really easily, much more so and you can listen again and you can sort of almost bookmark things and I don't know it's difficult, isn't it? Because the boundary now is really blurred between radio and podcast. So and this is a radio commission as well, really important to say. You know, this is a BBC Radio 4 and BBC Sounds commission. Um, but yeah, there's something about, I think you can find something quite specific to you in the world of podcasts, which is perhaps harder to find. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, you were like, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, actually, I just agree. Actually, India, no, that's not. No, <laughs> no, what a load of rubbish. I will, I'll let you get on with your evening. I'm Liam Preston and this is... My name's Matt Deersley. And we are and we are the Dad Still Standing Podcast. We're a podcast for dads that have lost babies, um, trying to guide them through the grief, trying to give them sort of a message of hope that they can get through it and you know, we just want to help them through it really, don't we? 
and we are the winners of the best podcast of the year for parenting which is incredible because you know for a lot of dads out there they don't believe their parents anymore um, and so to offer help and to offer support is an incredible feeling and we've yeah it's just wonderful tonight how did you go about getting the, the podcast off the ground in the, in the first instance? Was it something you did independently or did you go to a production company? No, we literally had a conversation. So we both played for a football team for Bereaved Dads. We literally had a conversation at football one training night and said, do you want to do a podcast? The answer was yes. We bought two mics off Amazon. We recorded into our laptops and our iPads respectively during lockdown. You know, edited it ourselves. We produced it ourselves. Um, and then eventually we had a little bit of exposure via the BBC and we uh, got um, basically signed to Factory Studios. So they now do all our production for us, Ben Firth. So. But it's incredible for us to go from two dads on a field in the middle of nowhere, two and a half years later, to having the best parenting podcast of the year, only because we said, would you be interested in doing a podcast? Yes. And yeah. I think that's what's, that's what's amazing about podcasts as a format is that if you have a niche, if you have an interesting story to tell, or you can help somebody, and our podcast helps people, you can have incredible exposure. And to have the best parenting podcast of the year, helping dads who've lost children, is the most amazing feeling in the world. It's just absolutely insane. It's just blo- it's absolutely blown my mind. You know, as, as Liam said, when we started, we you know we had two caveats and that was that it wasn't going to be depressing that if someone listened to it and they were in a dark place it wasn't going to take them further into that dark place and also we wanted it to be funny and we wanted it to be relatable never in my wildest dreams did I envisage that we would win a British podcast award let alone get nominated so I'm you know I'm absolutely just bowled over with it we were crying walking to the stage and and, 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 and like I'm not sure that's how it's supposed to be at these types of things but like as two like, you know as two guys and it's, it's really difficult for men to talk about mental health yeah. and especially to talk about mental health when it's in a real bad state which is a lot of the feelings that many men feel after losing a child for us to find a way to make that relatable and for us to find a way that made other dads feel less lonely less suicidal to, less to feel like they weren't alone it's an incredible feeling. What we felt was such a niche area of parenting and a niche area of mental health has been recognised in this way. When we set the podcast up, and Matt's looking at me, uh, because when we set the podcast up, we were going, do you think we could help one other guy? Because there was no one for either of us when I lost my child and when Matt lost his kids. There was no one for us who sounded like us who were saying the same things that we were that just didn't exist that support doesn't exist for men and so for us to it does now because of this podcast yeah but but for us to say someone in Essex is listening like someone in Northampton is listening and then suddenly it's someone in California is listening and now someone in Sydney is listening and to take something that is so personal and so isolating like grief and to hit people right across the globe was an emotional thing for both of us and to then say well you've just won the best parenting podcast of 2023 and we're just two guys going we don't know what we're doing but we're just trying to help somebody it's the best feeling in the world you know what we're just two dads from Essex that we just we we sit in front of a mic we have you know the gloves are off we tell it as it is we try not to be too depressing about it we try to make it funny we're just it's just blowing my mind I can't I'm, I'm just lost for words and I think there's something about how you tell a story in this medium, which is 
we could have got other dads on to tell a very sad story and our stories are really sad but we didn't want to do that what we wanted to do was to create a podcast that was a toolkit it was a resource that at every stage of bereavement that you will go through after losing a child whether that's planning a funeral whether it's going back to work whether it's how you grieve differently to your wife our podcast is a toolkit in how you deal with that as a dad and I think that's different to many other podcasts, which is why I think we've been recognised tonight. And I'm so pleased. Yeah, you, you're clearly delighted. I, I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening. It's been a pleasure meeting you both, honestly. Massive congratulations. Go and enjoy it. Cheers. Noshi and Iqbal from Today in Focus. And I'm Michael Safi, Noshi's co-host. The Guardian, yes. of course. Right, right. yes, I, I'm there. I'm there. Good, right. You've got me on, uh, on the level. So, um, first of all, congratulations. I mean, what does it mean to, you know, win this award in, uh, you know, what is a very competitive landscape when it comes to news podcasts? I feel I shouldn't answer this because I keep saying... I thought we were going to lose to the news agents. Yeah. I thought we were going to lose to the news agents. We're coming to lose. But fair play, huge year for them. Yeah, this is an incredibly competitive uh, category. It's become only more competitive. The competition is so high. But we have an incredible team who like turn up every day and produce excellent stuff. We know how good this podcast is, and this is a really nice affirmation of that. Well, let's pull back the, uh, the, the curtain a little bit and find out how the sausage is made. I mean, how much work does it go into making? Because it's, it's a daily podcast, isn't it? So yeah, how much work goes into producing your show? You know, how many people are involved? How much time does it take? I'm tired. I'm very tired. That's how much it takes. No, well, and everyone, everyone's just working really hard. How many producers? Do we have two execs? We have eight? I can't remember the number. I feel like it's small given the output. Exactly. I mean, if you listen to the end of an episode of The Daily, there's about two minutes of credits. Ours are about 15 seconds, basically. Yeah, one producer and one exec and yes. one presenter per episode, usually. Sometimes two producers. And yeah, you're right, The Daily has an army. And it's not just chat. It's archive, it's tape, it's us listening to things over and over again to make sure they're accurate, they're, like, that we're not just giving you facts, but like telling you a story. And that just takes so much time and so much effort. And it's very nice to know that people are listening and that, you know, a jury of our peers... People like it. People are listening and people like it. That's always nice. We keep being told it's a growth market, right? And you can see how crowded it is and how everyone's entering. But I really honestly think there's space for everyone because... People are interested, and there's different ways of doing news. There's like, you know, your authoritative journalist giving you their opinion on things. There's us doing mini documentaries. Basically, everyone, but um, only one winner, though. So, <laughs> massive congratulations. Uh, hi, I'm John Shields. I'm the director of podcasts at The Economist, and we just won network or publisher of the year 2023. Which one are you going to go for? Uh, I think we count as a publisher. Uh, given that we have been a magazine since 1843, uh, doing the news since then, and we have been doing podcasts for actually longer than most. But, uh, but yeah, I think that makes us a publisher. Oh, sorry, I should say I'm John Pradell. I work with John at The Economist. Our podcasts were in the iPod demo when Apple launched the iPod back whenever it did. What have you noticed change? I mean, we're, we're at this award ceremony, let's face it, it's absolutely massive, and I think a lot of people within podcasting would think... You know, if you asked them 10 years ago, would there be a, a ceremony like this? They'd be like, nah, no way. But what other things have you sort of noticed in the industry that's changed and shifted? Uh, what's changed is the, uh, the number of podcasts, <laughs> but also the quality. Uh, there's, obviously, there's lots more money to be made than there ever used to be. Um, what that means for us is 
uh, I mean, we're lucky because we're, we're, we're backed by our bosses just to keep producing great journalism and doing as much of it in audio as, as we possibly can. Uh, we are dipping our toes next month into audio subscriptions for the first time. Uh, and that's because The Economist has been a subscription business all along. Uh, and so it makes sense for us to to try and do that for, for, for audio too. And I think... Um, you know we're out front but there'll be I'm, I'm absolutely sure that within within a few years especially for news publishers like us who do charge for the print side of what we do uh, everyone will, be, will want to want to do the same eventually and do you anticipate that that's gonna you know that the subscriptions are going to come from your existing print audience or are you going to get new people in because you know the, the consumer are being pulled every which way for subscriptions so do you really think that's the way to go is that is that you know is that what you're being told uh, well that, that's what I mean we, so we announced this uh, about 10 days ago now and uh, and we knew we knew obviously we'd done our homework and we uh, already had a had an inkling that there are people out there who love what we do uh, and maybe can't afford a full-on subscription to the magazine but very keen to 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 join in and contribute to our journalism uh, in in audio, so uh, I think it's uh, there's definitely a lot of a lot of economist curious people out there who we can we can pull in. The alternative business model for podcasts is the kind of advertising where you try and sell mattresses or cures for baldness. And as a podcast host, which I am at The Economist, you have to pretend that you love these products when the audience all knows that you're just being paid to say it. And one of the things about The Economist is we pride ourselves on our independence and we think that we can do independent journalism better if our subscribers or our audience are paying us to do our jobs rather than taking money from advertisers uh, to read out those kind of adverts and all the feedback we've had from our listeners is that they value the kind of independence and the expertise that we bring to our podcast I think one of the things that's a little bit different about what we do is that the classic podcast format is a couple of people talking to each other and pretending to be expert on what they're doing I think we're humble enough to be able to go to the true experts. We have 300-odd journalists at The Economist to go to real experts in their fields who cover important subjects day in, day out and ask them the answers rather than the pretend to be know-it-alls ourselves. And then the last thing I'd say is that you know, we try and cover the whole world, things that are um, important but maybe b- below the radar. Like The Intelligence, our daily podcast, has been covering what's been going on in Nagorno-Karabakh recently. I don't think there are too many other podcast networks who, who do that. And actually, it turns out, because the podcast audience as a whole is so huge, there is a niche for people who want to really, really know what's going on in the world and understand it. And, and those are our listeners, and we're thankful to them and also just delighted to win this. With, with your audience as well, have you noticed any trends with them? Are they, are they sort of demanding more visualisation, for example? Are you wanting to... Is that something that you're kind of exploring to visualise more of your podcasts? Uh, well, the big thing for us in the last year is we... Uh, like, while a lot of um, competitors, I guess, especially in the big American podcast networks kind of pulled back from doing the kind of expensive long form uh, stuff we've actually doubled down on that in the in the in the last year and uh, we did two big series that were very successful one was the prince about 
Xi Jinping, China's leader, and we did another one about Russia and the, and the war in Ukraine called Next Year in Moscow. Uh, and those did really well and actually not only were hugely popular with uh, like our audience, with like foreign policy specialists, this kind of niche nerdy uh, audience that, that we, we managed to, to pull in, but also with podcast listeners who just love a great story. That's what we're, we're always trying to hit that sort of sweet spot between subject experts and people who just want to listen to something that sounds sounds compelling. The thing I like most about our, or not the most, but one of the things that maybe tells you something about what we're trying to do at The Economist, our series about Xi Jinping, the prince, has been translated into Mandarin by podcast listeners in China and distributed uh, around the country, even though if you were caught listening to that podcast by the Chinese Communist Party, you'd get in serious trouble and probably thrown in prison. So we're really proud of the kind of journalism we're trying to do, and we're going to do more of it um, in the years to come. And this award is real sort of validation of that. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Take it easy. Oh, thanks very much. The PodPod Hall of Fame Award goes to... My dad wrote a porno. James. Yes. Hi, James. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. I'm good, thank you. Podcast royalty, let's face it. <laughs> thank you. Yes, you may bow. <laughs> I have bowed. No, I've bowed curtsy. I can curtsy. Uh, well, you've, you've gone and won the, uh, the, the, the Hall, Hall of, of Fame, Fame the yes. PodPod Hall of Fame Award. You've won a British Podcast Award before, but this must feel pretty great. It feels really special. It's just nice. Now we finished. It feels like we've been put in a retirement home. It's like, okay, here's your, off you go now. <laughs> uh, no, but it feels, I was saying earlier, like, we still make the show like on microphones around the kitchen table, just balanced on books. Like it's still very much independent. Like it's our show. We completely only we edit it and everything. So to be kind of one of those shows from the kind of that were the foundations of podcasting, as far as the spirit of it. Like it's nice to be recognised when you're in a room of such amazing talent and big hitters and things like that. It's nice to feel. I know, I know we did well and it was a big show, but we still feel like really independent, so it's nice to be honoured. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's testament to your, your, your rapport with one another, how successful you've been. And I think, I mean, it's fair to say that uh, you became, and you are, in the best way, a cult. You've got a cult following. <laughs> you've got a cult following in the best way, but you became really, really massive. And I think, I do wonder now, do you think that there's scope for a future My Dad Wrote a Porno? And I don't mean you know you guys doing it again I just mean another and you know another person sort of getting to that level in the way that you guys did the way that the media landscape's changed and it's become way more competitive now as well do you think that that will happen again for somebody else I really hope so I mean it's great that there's events like this that are kind of championing those like there's a, there's a real breadth of shows here there's like you know the big the global shows and then there's kind of more grassroots shows and things like that so there's definitely opportunities to still champion those shows that might no, not normally get the big promotion and things like that we definitely benefited I think at the time from the moment we did it and I think there's definitely space for you know I just think the right idea cuts through and, and if you've got a good idea and a great like team behind it it also depends what you define as success, right? Like, you know, not everything is going to end up being as lucky as we were, but you'll find your audience and you can make, like, it's much easier these days to make a career from podcasting, even if you find a more kind of smaller, dedicated audience. So the landscape's changed, but I, I, I think there's still an opportunity for things to cut through for sure. And I hope, I hope there continues to be platforms for that. And in this new landscape that has changed you know for everybody within the industry you know we, we all acknowledge it 
where do you see your future? What are you, you got anything planned? You got anything in the pipeline? Well, it's not the end of my dad wrote a porno. Um, I can't talk about it yet. Like, we've been to, we said this in December when we finished, but there's, we are developing kind of other ideas for it. So we, we still, like, we just felt like it was the right time for the podcast to end, but we feel like there's still stuff to be mined from the, the content, from the books, from the idea. We're talking about, you know, other podcasts. We're all writing at the moment. Yeah, it's been such a great platform for each of us to kind of take that next step into our careers and I think whatever we do we want to do something that we kind of own creatively because we we had such a special porno was so special in that respect like we it, we it felt like ours and it felt like we owned it so whatever we do next I think we'd love to continue that but it just has to be the right idea well best of luck with the much. future I have no doubt that whatever it is it's <laughs> giving it a massive success and congratulations you. you can now retire quietly well you're not retiring yes. let's I'm just off be to clear the home I'm off to the home <laughs> no no don't go to the home come back very soon so I'm Paul Brands, UK editor of ITV News, and our podcast was part of it, The Inside Story, and this is David Williams, who produced and wrote the podcast. A move for ITV and podcast? Have ITV done many podcasts? I don't know. I should know this. You shouldn't, because we didn't do any of huge repute until now, where Partygate sort of exploded and became a, a really big hit for us. You've done podcasts before, hadn't you? Acting Prime Minister for Paul and, and things, but uh, Calling Peston had been done. But Partygate was our chance to kind of take listeners absolutely inside the heart of Downing Street, right at the heart of the biggest scandal of our lifetimes, probably. Paul had broken that scandal through for... For, for the whole of the year before and it was our chance to offer through the podcast medium a completely different approach to that story and you suddenly were taken in the key moments where parties were occurring and illegal events were occurring you could find out what was happening in that room at the time and like like never before I mean it's a massive story isn't it I mean it still is really I feel like it's kind of just ongoing the process must have been very tricky and complicated because it's something that you're you know you're very consciously recording and putting together and putting out there how did you find putting the series together so quite difficult, actually, because it was a control issue for me and my producer, Nathan Lee, because we had broken a lot of the stories around Partygate and trusted and had the trust of our sources not to reveal their identities. And it's one thing doing that on broadcast news where you've just got a couple of minutes and it's really tightly controlled. But it's a very different thing in podcast format when people want to know what happened behind the scenes and they want more detail. They want you to be more casual, more maybe blasé about the kind of discussion you're having and you have to do that without then jeopardizing your source and dropping them in it so the whole process you know David wrote it brilliantly but for Nathan and I it it was it was kind of constantly checking to make sure we weren't overstepping the mark the the award itself as well uh I mean what does it mean for you as you say so ITV haven't really been able to cut through in 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 podcasts so what does it mean it's it's everything it's it's you know it was a heck of a lot of work it was like nine months of work Paul's probably the biggest busiest journalist in the UK and it was finding time for us to communicate and build a script together and hours and hours of editing hours and of archiving and everything I mean for that to come together and release and be a big hit in terms of the charts we were number one in Apple News we were second in the chart overall for a story that at the start of it was we were starting on that project at the end of Partygate really when it felt like no one wanted to hear the word ever again so for us to bring out something which offered a new entry into a story of our era and, and to tell what has become pretty much the definitive document of the era it's quoted in the Reuters digital report as the example of documentary podcasting so for us to produce that and then tonight win an award which we genuinely at the point of seeing the competition on stage and having that reinforcement of those enormous names of podcasts that everybody knows and we've been given the spotlight award it's it doesn't get better than that for us so it's yeah it's a phenomenal achievement an amazing team uh, I could list several names for you but it's 
it's such a fantastic achievement. We're delighted to be here. I've spoken to quite a few news podcasts tonight as well. Where do you sort of see the future of podcasting within news? Do you think that people are going to step away more from, you know, watching their news in the traditional way, just on the TV in the evening or on, on linear radio, and go more to these sort of more in-depth stories and maybe daily news podcasts? Is that something that you expect will happen? Potentially. I mean, I think people are just getting a lot more eclectic in the way that they consume their news. So in days gone by, they might have either got opted for a newspaper or a news bulletin on television, whereas now they might do a bit of everything. They might have their app, they might have their newspaper, they might have a news bulletin, they might have a podcast. And I don't think we should be too prescriptive about news necessarily moving in one direction or one medium. I think people are quite happy to actually have complementary media all you know, being consumed all at the same time. And for me, I think the key to Partygate was being able to drill down into a story in the way that you wouldn't be able to hear about that story on any other medium so you're not going to get that level of detail on tv news you're not going to get that insight and hear the voices of sources in a newspaper but in a podcast mode you can be so much more intimate you can be so much more revealing so i think all of these types of media are actually very complementary even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. My name is Shante Joseph. I am the host of the Guardians Pop Culture Podcast that comes out every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. And you've won. What's the award you've won? So I've won a Rising Star Award. Yeah, you can tell. Star, I'm rising. You can totally tell that that's the award you've won. If, it, if I had to guess out of all of the awards after that introduction, I'd be like, yeah, Rising Star, definitely. That, that must feel pretty exciting. You excited? Can I tell you something? Yeah, no. No one believes me. Podcasts are what I live and breathe and eat and sleep like... Every single day, I probably listen to like two, three podcasts, like, and I'm like, I'm invested. Like, I pay for my Wondery subscription. Like, I'm not joking. Like, this industry is so, so important to me, and I give and I share and I talk. Like, literally, it's my life. And so, winning an award like this means so much to me because it's an industry that I care a lot about. It's an industry I'm very invested in, and I fucking love podcasts and I love hosting a podcast. It's the biggest honor, I think, and it's just a wonderful media format, and I love it so much. And I'm so happy to be here. You know, there's a there's a there's a picture that always goes viral on Twitter, and it's a poster of like these two girls laughing and eating yogurt, and then another little girl like in real life is sat next to the poster laughing, and that's what listening to a podcast is like. It's like these people that like don't know me, but they're having a conversation or they're investigating something, and they're like being really um 
they're like they're like talking to me even though they're talking to each other and it's like very intimate as an art form and also just like in terms of like disseminating information like sometimes it's not like sitting and watching something can be a bit too like arduous you want something to be with you on the go you want to stay informed on the go you want to stay entertained you want to feel like you have company walking home by myself lockdown as well when you're going on them long ass park walks because there's nothing else to do you're just like what can I bring with me you can't walk and watch Netflix like if you're in a restaurant like you want to sit and put your phone up you want to listen to something so it's like it's the perfect companion like podcasts are companionship and that's what makes them so engaging and so dynamic and like when you find something you love that's it you're hooked into an ecosystem where there's just so much content to speak to you because you're like wow this is a friend more than it is like a thing to be entertained by as an avid listener and someone who you know clearly loves podcasts and hosts podcasts Mm -hmm. what do you kind of what do you want to see from the industry do you want is there things that you'd like to see change yes 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 one thing i want to see I have been getting into my audio drama bag. I am obsessed with audio dramas. Wondery, they make a good audio drama. And I just find it such a great way to basically, like, just consume, like, a very engaging story. And I think podcasting needs to really, like push the audiobook girlies because I was a judge for the for the um the book awards and I did the audiobook category and it was good but I'm like when I listen to audio dramas I'm like these are people who care about the craft these are people who care about the way that they are translating information to an audience like they're thinking so much about the sounds and the design and I'm like wow I want the effort that goes into creating audible experiences to seep into everything else that we do across media that is about listening um, and so I want to kind of yeah I want to see more of that I want to you know how the Dolby Atmos have like started to collaborate with some um, podcast companies to create those like 360 surround sound experiences and whatnot I want to see more of that more technology and I want to be more diverse as well I feel like there's not enough not a lot of um black people even like black women here running awards telling stories and so I want to see more of that I think that would be amazing um and I want to see like younger younger people getting into it as well like obviously I know the Gen Z girlies love a chat show but I really want them to do more investigative stuff like one thing about the girlies on TikTok the young girlies they know how to tell a compelling story they know how to investigate something I think of Tabby Gate the guy that found the girl on Tinder and then stole her shoes but just the way that turned into huge news like imagine if we encourage a lot of these people on these platforms particularly Gen Z to start thinking about how they tell these stories in, a, in an audio format banging banging it's interesting what you say about the drama would you go for an audio drama over watching EastEnders a thousand percent a thousand percent there is not a moment of silence in my house there is not a moment of silence in my house I have podcasts on from the moment I open my eyes <laughs> until I go to sleep I even do that thing on Spotify when you can set the timer yeah, yeah. so when you're falling asleep it'll turn off after five minutes that's how much I listen to podcasts you know I go to sleep to podcasts it's so lovely speaking with you. You have so much energy. I have no doubt. You, they, they've got it bang on. Rising star. You're going to be... You, ne- next time. Next time I'm in here, you'll just ignore yes. me. You're just... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be best friends from now on. There we go. There we... Oh, well, thank you so much. By the way, your, your nails as well. Absolutely thank incredible. Thank you so much. Just give me three hours. It took me three hours to get my nails done. Every month. But I love it. We listen to podcasts. So we do my nails. Ah! 
thanks to Ollie Pitt and all his work on those interviews. Uh, me, I've got back home after a brilliant British Podcast Awards uh, 2023. Uh, you can find out all the winners uh, over at podcastrex.com. That's podcastrex.com. Uh, so that's the media podcast for this week. Uh, I'm Matt Deacon. The producer was Matt Hill with great support from Ollie Pitt. It's a Rethink Audio production. Uh, we'll see you next week for a regular show. Thank you.